Hey, and welcome to All Things Renovation with Brandy the Boss Lady and Paul the Wood Magician. We're a fun-loving couple who eat, breathe, and live all things renovation, and we'll be your hosts on this podcast. We created the podcast to help you take a confident role in your renovation dreams and get your project done right, on time, on budget, and with quality craftsmanship. Welcome back to the All Things Renovation Kitchen Series. In this series, we've gotten into a number of the elements that one needs to consider when renovating their kitchen. Everything, it seems, but the kitchen sink. If you've been wondering and waiting for it, today is your lucky day. We're finally throwing kitchen sinks and faucets into the mix. We'll start with the sinks. It's one of the hardest working and most used elements of your kitchen. Washing dishes, hands, produce, and even a baby now and then. I mean, I know there's a picture of me sitting in a sink uh, getting a bath when I was a wee one and in an album somewhere at my folks' place. And just for a bit of fun trivia, do you know where that saying, don't throw the baby out with the bath water comes from? I understood that it came from the idea of the bathing hierarchy back in the day when people didn't bathe all that often. And usually the man of the house had a bath first and then those on down through the ranks until the baby was washed in water so dirty that one may not even be able to see it and that it could potentially be thrown out with the bath water after everybody was, in theory, clean. However, I recently found an alternate theory where this saying actually originated back in the early Greek times, speaking not to throwing something out uh, that was valuable along with something that was undesirable. So it's so interesting how we come to use phrases and how they change over time, isn't it? Anyway, back to sinks. As always, there are a number of things to consider. Again, going back to some of your foundational decision-making for the project, how do we, how do you work in the kitchen? How many people are in the kitchen cooking at the same time? What is the available space that we have to locate the sink? Are we tight for space, therefore needing only a single bowl sink? Or is there an option for a bar sink because you have a little bit of extra space and you want to have a secondary sink to do some prep work with? So let's just start with the most basic of decisions. What is the style of installation that we're going to choose? We have a few options here, top or surface mounted, undermounted sinks, farmhouse style, or integrated. So let's start with top mounted or surface mounted sinks. Basically, a hole gets cut in the countertop and a sink has a a flange or a rim that carries the weight of the sink, uh, which gets dropped into that uh, space that cut out in your countertop and it, it covers the gap in between the cutout and the sink and then it's held in place with brackets from underneath um, the countertop and with a little bit of silicone. Now most people these days don't like the style of uh, sink from a cleaning perspective as gunk kind of gets caught along the edges when you're wiping the counter down and it disrupts the look or the flow of the countertop uh, the style is commonly used with a uh, plastic laminate countertop, but it can be used with any other uh, material that you so desire. Um, and in case you missed it, just head back to episode five where we got into the various options for your countertops, okay? Now, undermounted sinks are by far the most commonly used these days and most often with stone or uh, engineered stone or whatever along that line. Um, and ultimately, they are really what most of our clients choose as well. Um, you know, they're chosen for the clean look, the ease of wiping those crumbs straight into the sink um, as part of the pros. And I guess if there were a con, I would say that 
maybe the overall size might be a little less as the actual flange of the sink, not just the sink bowls, need to live within the overall width and depth of the cabinet space below. Um, okay, so farmhouse or apron-fronted sinks are generally longer and deeper than the average bowl size of a standard drop-in or a surface mount. Um, they're normally single-bowled. They're often ceramic or porcelain, but they can also be copper or soapstone or even concrete. But most distinctly, the front of the sink is exposed to the room. The farmhouse name need not scare you away uh, from this option when the design is a little bit more modern, as there are options for stainless steel, there's even curved versions, um, and sort of some more decorative style aprons that you can choose from. So they can be a viable option if you're if you're interested in this style, but you don't want it to feel too traditional. Now, there are a number of things that need to be addressed with how that sink integrates with the cabinetry, the countertop, and the faucets from a design point of view. You will need to add extra support in the cabinetry, regardless of which option you choose, um, and attention to the details with how it marries to the cabinetry and the countertop. And what I mean by this is that some aprons Sinks sit flush uh, with the adjacent doors. Some are proud or pulled forward of the adjacent uh, cabinet doors. Uh, some are square-sided and they simply sort of slide in between the other cabinets that flank it. And other versions have little horns or wings that kind of wrap around a little bit and we need to have a finished panel or a filler piece that sort of finishes that look. Um, they can also be top or undermounted. Um, but we need to make sure, regardless of what option that we go with, that the plumbing roughens accommodate um, this style of sink. And normally we need to lower the drainage location and we need to ensure that the supply lines are in the right place so that we can connect everything back together uh, once uh, we're into the finishing stages of connecting all of these bits and pieces. Um, now they are beautiful and they do make a statement, but they are expensive both to buy and install correctly. So it may be, you know, the hero of your design and you really don't mind spending money there. But if you are looking to be um, really budget conscious, I would say maybe stay away from this style. Uh, integrated sinks mean exactly that, that the sink is integrated, well, with what? Well, it's integrated with the countertop. It's a pretty specialty type of thing and only specific countertop materials really play well with this and um, you know you could get a stainless steel integration uh, with a stainless steel countertop, a Corian um, or even a, like a granite or a stone type of product you can get them integrated. Now it's not my favorite option and basically what it means is that you can't swap out the sink if it were to get damaged in some way you'd have to replace the whole dang countertop so that's the main reason. Um, so again, you just have to think carefully about sort of what what that means for you in the future. Um, I'm going to have a special mention here. Um, it's not really a style necessarily, but it is sort of a style. It's the corner sink. Now corner sinks um, have bowls that are kind of like on diagonal to each other. And basically, you know, there's a 90 degree corner and the sink of one side fits on one side of the counter and then 90 degrees on the other side. Um, they may seem like a good idea, but really, in my opinion, they're just not. Water splashes all over in between the bowls in this scenario, and the countertops always look a little weird um, <laughs> how they all come together and how it, it, it sort of uh, 
finesses between the, the actual sink bowls and uh, anyway I, I just think it's just it's, it's just silly but anyways um, it also means that they're a little awkward just down in front of now a corner sink on the flat means that the countertop is at a 45 degree angle not a 90 and that the sink itself fits along that flat 45 degree angle piece um, and then there's this big triangle of space behind it after everything's installed. And again, only one person can really stand in front of it at a time. Um, and for me, it would be the last resort. Actually, I, I would really probably find a whole other solution altogether because I'm just not a big fan. Anyways, regardless of the install style that you um, choose, you'll need to decide on the number of bowls that you want. Uh, a typical setup we see in most homes is your standard two bowl sink. But you can get a triple bowl or uh, you can choose a single bowl. Uh, regardless of what you choose, we just have to make sure it's going to fit in the cabinetry that we either we're, we're planning or that we're ordering or that already exists if you're just doing a, a cabinet reface and a new countertop, for instance. With a double bowl, the bowls can be split in different ways. Uh, you can have a 50-50, you can have a 60-40, or even a 70-30. And... The divider between the bowls can be a full height or a partial height. The lower option allows you to fill both bowls up, um, enabling you to wash, say, a larger pot and pan or a cookie sheet, but it still allows you just to use the one side the majority of the time, um, which then allows you to like rinse or discard other liquids down the drain or wash produce on the other side when you have a, a sink full of dishes on the go. Now, some of our clients have opted for one large single bowl sink, and then they also have a bar or a prep sink nearby, which allows that wash-up capability or washing of produce or whatever else um, goes on in the other one. Now, bowl depth is kind of like a Goldilocks thing. You know, you just want to get it just right. And they do vary from 6 inch to 9 or even 10 inches deep. With the shallower six inch bowls, the water tends to splash up a little bit more and you may find that you can't submerge your pot or pan um, as easily to wash it that you as you may prefer. Um, and then um, a standard depth is usually around eight inches or so. Um, and then you can get pretty deep ones and you start getting to like nine or 10 inches, which is really great for washing pots, for instance but it may not be ideal for someone who is 6'2 and they have to bend over and maybe their back is gonna be irritated by that. Although for someone like me being a little bit vertically challenged, it may not be as much of an issue. And um, oh, and just circling back to the, the shallow bowl, if you're uh, maybe gonna have a triple bowl sink, usually there's sort of like two bigger bowls and then maybe one that's a little bit narrower in the middle between the two and oftentimes people would put their garburetor in that one for instance. Um, having a shallow bowl there is like totally cool, no issue there. All right, so getting into the shape of the bowl and the drain locations, you could also have those as considerations. Uh, so a lot of the corners are rounded um, in our traditional bowl shapes but more and more the contemporary style or the more modern style is to actually square them out quite a bit. So again, those are just a couple of the options that you can look for or consider. Um, and then the drain locations, most are center for standard uh, location, but you can get sinks where they are either pushed towards the back or into a corner. Um, and I guess the only reason why maybe you'd go that direction would be so you have a little bit more usable cabinetry volume or space on the inside uh, underneath 
the, the sink itself because once we connect all of our drainage and our plumbing, sometimes we end up with not a lot of usable space underneath. Um, now, the sinks also come in a variety of finishes. We have stainless steel, which is pretty stock standard. We have enameled cast iron, uh, copper, composite ones, uh, porcelain. Um, and then, as I mentioned, there's also all those integrated ones that basically go with whatever your countertop uh, material is. Now, stainless steel is by far the most common. The quality of the stainless steel is measured by what the gauge is. And it's a little bit counterintuitive, but the lower the number of gauge um, is actually a better quality. So say like a 23 gauged uh, stainless steel is actually pretty thin and not great quality, whereas a 16 gauge is quite a bit more ideal. Uh, sinks are also ranked on what the stainless steel is comprised of, and you might see a variety of numbers and different things, but an, an A300 series is about an 18% chromium and an 8% nickel um, mix in there. And um, we kind of figured that that's optimal for uh, corrosion and stain resistance. Uh, you may you also want to look for a, a sink a stainless steel sink that has a little bit more of a lustrous or a satin satiny finish, um, which will uh, develop a better patina over time than a matte uh, stainless steel type of finish. Now here's a pro tip: if the sink holds a magnet, it's not a 300 series. Basically, there's too much other junk in it, so. You want a, a 300 series um, and uh, you want a, a thick gauge. So those are just the two things to remember. Um, you also want to look for a sink that maybe has like an undercoat or a little bit of insulative uh, quality to the, the backside or the underside of the bowls. And basically what that does is, is it um, deadens any sound. So like if you drop something or the, the sound of the water even filling the bowls, um, you know, it just makes it not so echoey. Um, now, composite as a material for sinks is becoming pretty popular right now, actually. And it's kind of a similar type of process to like an engineered stone countertop. The sinks are basically combinations of resins and mineral content, usually like a quartz and or a granite. Um, and they come in a variety of what I would call neutral colors. You can get sort of like a beige, taupe, charcoal type of thing. Um, I've yet to see a red or a purple one, for instance, but who knows, maybe it's out there and I just haven't seen it. Now, composite sinks are hard, really hard and they are very durable. Cleanup really only requires uh, a, sort of like a dish soap and a, and a cloth kind of thing. Um, you don't need any heavy-duty corrosive uh, cleaners or scrubbers or any of that kind of stuff. Um, and they are on the heavier side, so you may need to beef up your cabinetry or be sure to strap uh, under the bowls to the cabinetry so that uh, the weight of the sink isn't pulling too much on your countertop and maybe it, it may, you know, just lodge slightly in, you know, 10 or 15 years. Um, getting into the next sort of type of finish where it would be the cast iron or the steel and porcelain or enamel type of finish. Now, enamel and porcelain may seem like the same thing, and, and they kind of are, but... Um, the difference is, is that you can get a porcelain product that is fired at high heat and molded into a sink, or the porcelain can be used to coat another material. So basically that material would be a cast iron or a molded steel. Now cast iron is super heavy, it's a little bit pricey, and their forms 
uh, or their shape tend to be a little bit more traditional in nature. So they go really well with, uh, say, like a farmhouse sink or if we're going to shift into a bathroom, like think of your clawfoot tub kind of idea. Now steel is lighter, it's less rigid, and it can dent. Um, and overall, even with a porcelain finish, um, they are a little less durable overall, but they are a lot more economical uh, from a cost perspective than their cast iron cousins. And they are uh, usually found in a more, more of a modern form or style. Now lastly, I'll touch on copper sinks. They make a statement. They develop a beautiful patina over time. They're pretty durable, they're antimicrobial, and they're recyclable. Um, but they do require some maintenance and they are fairly pricey. So again, it's one of those things, if you want this to be a statement piece, this would be a, a great option for that. And you can get them in a apron or a, or a farmhouse style as well. So you really get a lot of uh, oomph for your 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 hero piece for this the space if you're gonna go with that type of thing. Oh, uh, and I'm not quite finished yet with the sinks. There are a number of accessories that some manufacturers produce as well. Uh, Sink bottom racks are common, which help scratching um, or scratching prevention. Um, they kind of look like a rack you would use to allow cookies to cool after taking them off a baking sheet. Uh, some manufacturers are integrating um, little lips and things to allow cutting boards and strainers to be placed sort of on top or over the sink bowls. Um, I think that was probably derived from uh, the need to really make every little space work, especially in a, in a, like maybe a studio apartment or, you know, a smaller setup, but they're bringing themselves forward into, uh, you know, regular standard kitchens as well. Um, and then you could also get integrated drain boards that are with your sink and they basically sort of sit on top of the countertop um, and... Uh, they can be kind of a stylish option as well as, you know, obviously the function that goes around with it. It's they're slightly angled so that, you know, water drains back into the, the sink bowl as you're letting, letting your, um, you know, your pots and pans just maybe air dry. All right, so now let's get into faucets. Again, you need to consider your needs and what your design aesthetic is here. But regardless of what faucet you choose, the guts are definitely something to get right. Now the body of the faucet, not the exterior finish, but the inside part is what I would call the guts. Um, and it is ideally solid brass as it stands up to corrosion better than other metals. Um, now the exterior finish can be whatever you prefer, of course. Uh, now the cheap faucet versions are made with like a zinc alloy or even worse, a plastic body. And obviously they won't stand up to the test of time um, as well as a brass wood. Um, and I often see this type of product at a big box sort of home supply store. Um, and while the exterior and make and model and look and everything may match uh, a more expensive version at a distributor, um, the quality is just not the same. The reason why they can make it le less expensive than if you were to go to a, you know, a reputable distri uh, distributor is that they change out some of the, the guts of the, the faucet and then schlep it off is the same thing. Um, now the other part of the guts has to do with the valve. Now there are sort of four types of valves. There's a compression valve, a ball valve, a cartridge, and a ceramic disc style. Now a cartridge style is the most common and it's pretty good value for the money. 
And while the ceramic disc option is more expensive, it's highly reliable and will remain drip-free and rarely be in need of repair. I wouldn't uh, probably buy something personally that has a compression or a ball valve just because, uh, well, for no other reason, I'm a light sleeper and the dripping of water into the sink would probably drive me nuts as I'm trying to you know, fall back to sleep in the middle of the night. Um, so on to the pretty stuff. The considerations when choosing a faucet um, from an exterior standpoint are um, the overall size. Proportionally, does it fit? Will it fit with your kitchen sink size? Are you, you know, do you have a tiny little sink and then this massive faucet or do you have something that's proportionally related? And also what kind of space are we talking about in your in your kitchen as well? Like if you have a, a tiny little kitchen, maybe you want to minimize how big something looks. Um, now that whatever style you're choosing, um, you know, you're, are you more uh, traditional? Or are you feeling more modern or contemporary? Or are you really getting into like that commercial vibe or more of an, an industrial look? Um, there's faucets that match all all of those sort of types of styles. Now the type is another uh, consideration. Are we choosing a single hole, which is basically one stem and um, arched sort of look? Uh, are you gonna have a, a wide spread, which basically means that there's two handles on either side of the stem? Are you gonna have a pull down, which is a more of a commercial style? Or are you gonna go with a high or a low arc, meaning how high up does the neck of the faucet go? Is the faucet deck mounted, which means it's on the countertop, or is it wall mounted? Does it come out of the wall? Um, and then how many handles uh, does it have? Is it a single handle and you just change the temperature that way? Or are, is it a dual handle? Even on a single stem, you can have two handles. Obviously, with a uh, widespread set, you're going to have a, a hot and a cold uh, faucet on each side, or a handle on each side, rather. Now, here's a pro tip. If you're thinking about a high arc style, meaning like the neck of the faucet comes up high, you want to make sure that it's not going to hit your window sill. Um, we've encountered this before, where someone's chosen something that comes up quite high, and the the top of the neck actually almost almost or did hit the uh, the windowsill and we actually had to trim it back so uh, that's just a little something to keep in mind now faucets also come with a variety of fancy pants features um, a touch or a motion sensor are the most common ones that I see and I personally have a touch sen sensor style faucet say that fast ten times hey um, and I love it um, as I cook from scratch a lot and I like not having to touch the handle uh, with my hands after touching, say, like raw chicken or mixing whatever, meatballs or power balls or whatever with my hands. Um, so the common finishes uh, for faucets, uh, they, there's a, a range of them, and I'm not going to touch on every single one, but the most common ones are a polished chrome or a chrome, a stainless steel. You can get a brushed, um, even nickel, brushed nickel. Uh, you can get brass, uh, you can get that brushed or polished, um, and there's some copper options. You have oil rub bronze and a satin black. Those are sort of the, the, the big contenders that you would normally see. Now, I did recently see a, a rose gold being offered, but I honestly, I don't think it's something that will become overly popular or stay around for the long term. So it might be one of those trend items that you wish you hadn't got in the first place um, in about, what, five or 10 years from now. Anyway, I would recommend looking for something that helps to minimize the water spots and fingerprints. 
And I often suggest that clients look for a, a brushed finished over a polished one. And I mean, basically you want, you want to save all those sort of high maintenance polished fixtures for maybe like a powder room or something. Now I'm going to get into pot fillers here next. Um, we do often get people asking about them. So I figured I'd just touch on them here today. For the average kitchen and cook, I think that a pot filler really isn't worth the extra expense that you put in um, or add to your fixture budget um, to, you know, basically get them roughed in and then to get installed later. Uh, especially as it's like, a, oh, it's a one-way solution. Yes, you don't have to fill up, say, that big pasta pot full of water and then... <laughs> lug it all the way over from your sink to you know your range which is probably four or five steps away but you do have to lug the thing back over to your sink with boiling water <laughs> to drain it so for me it just doesn't provide enough functional value for the cost and I don't usually promote them but you know we have had a few clients ask for them now and then and we have put in a couple of them so you know it's a personal choice now, what I can get behind and I recommend are sprayers. So a commercial pull-down style uh, faucet, you may, you may not need a sprayer, um, but you can uh, have a sprayer that just pulls out of your, the stem of your faucet, or you can have a side spray. And both of those op all of those op options actually do the job. Now, the pull-out options are often only a friction fit. So after a period of time or use, uh, you may find that the head won't stay in place very well after you put, want to put it back in, um, after you've sprayed your sink down. Now, so the newer versions of this style also have a magnetic feature in lieu of or in conjunction with the friction fit. So that sort of helps solve that particular issue. Now, side sprayers are simply mounted off to the side of where the faucet is, uh, and it can make the sink area look a little bit cluttered to some people's point of view, but it's still a good option. And... Um, Either way, I, I highly, highly recommend that you consider uh, having a spray option because it does help to sort of clean your sink and spray it down after you've finished washing the dishes and um, all that kind of thing. So, um, wow, what an episode. Um, all right, well, that brings us to the end of this one. Thanks for listening in. I hope that you're armed and ready to look at sinks and faucets now. And if you haven't already, check out the other bite-sized episodes in this series and be sure to catch the next and the very last one in it next time where we're going to wrap up with what to expect with the process now that you've made all of these decisions. If you're ready to move forward with a renovation, we'd be happy to consult with and collaborate with you uh, to bring your dream into reality. So please do reach out to us and arrange a time to chat through the All Things Renovation or would-be art contact pages on those websites. Thanks and ciao for now. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today and learning about all things renovation. We hope after listening, you feel even more empowered to take a confident role in your renovation dreams. You can find all additional episodes and resources for all things renovation at our website, allthingsrenovation.com. And if you're ready to make your house feel more like home, you can contact us at woodbeart.com to get started on your dream project now.